0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast where we watch a randomly selected
1: horror movie every single week. I'm Bob. I'm Ben. Oh! Last movie episode of the season. Yeah! Woo! You excited? I'm excited for some new randoms next season. New randoms? Yeah. You didn't like this random? Maybe some cannibals. No, no.
0: I, look, I get it's an ongoing bit with this whole cannibal thing and how much you want them.
1: It's not a bit. It's I'm the most excited <laughs> for that one. <laughs> There's no bit involved. I, <laughs> Your pain in suffering is just like the cherry on
0: top. I guess it feels like a bit to me because it's only because you hate me.
1: I don't hate you. Well, you want to see me suffer. Yeah, but those are unrelated issues, right? I guess. Two things can be true.
0: Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm excited for the end of the season, mostly because, I'm going to be honest, like, I get I get why we watched Thorpe's movies this season. It's cool. I want horror movies back on the podcast, please. They were horror movies. They were horrific. In animal rights violations, maybe.
1: Exactly. Horrific.
0: I'm just like, ugh, I don't know. It's, this This season has been lacking in horror, but not been lacking in interesting films, I guess is my point. And I want some more horror movies on the podcast.
1: That's not my fault. I told you my category is not no. horror related. And then you went and chose not horrifying enough. True. That's fair. My next
0: season categories will be horrifying,
1: trust me. And mine is something that oh, a lot of people fear. You keep saying But this. some people love.
0: And I don't know if it's a weird sex thing or not. And I don't No the way you're reacting it says no, so I don't really know what you're getting at. Anyway, that's for next episode. So. I think
1: you might be afraid of it.
0: I probably am. Is there anything you want to talk about before we get to the podcast part of the podcast? Where we, you know, watch a movie and talk about it? No. No? Okay, I have a list again. I'm getting better about writing stuff down for this portion of the podcast. It
1: only took a year.
0: Yeah, it only took a year for me to start actually attempting to have conversation points during the podcast. Instead of just spitting silly like a maniac. There's that new It series coming out. Welcome to Derry. They released a trailer. Have you seen it?
1: I haven't seen the trailer yet, but I, I, I don't watch trailers.
0: I, well, I send you trailers. I didn't send you this one because I forgot. I,
1: not, I watch the trailers you send me, but I don't go out of my way to watch trailers because I'm like, there's so many spoilers in them. No, no, there is. Yeah, it.
0: I haven't seen the trailer, but I'm sorry I bring that up because that's cool. It's interesting because I think it is a mini-series. Like, it's like an episodic TV thing and not like
1: a movie. That was my understanding of it. Which means they're kind of going back to the original? No, Because that's, that's like a miniseries, right? It's a movie. I mean, it's a made-for-TV miniseries, which is just a movie. Cut up into parts? Yeah. Okay. It's an extra-long movie cut up into parts. Mm. Okay. It's usually what a miniseries is, essentially.
0: I just thought I'd bring that up because I know people liked the—what was it, 2016? When did that first one come
1: out? you want to say 2016. I want to say 2016,
0: too. But the new it series that—like, the two— Movies that came out, people like those. I've seen them. They're okay. They're okay. Yeah, I mean, you know. Uh So that's co- that's coming out soon. That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> Next one is... Well, actually, I'll lump the video game stuff together. Because one of them is horror. One of them is not horror. It's just something I want to fucking talk about. Have you seen this game, Lethal Company? Yes. It's... Okay. I know some people will uh, maybe call me a baby. I've played it. It is a horror game. This game is so fucking ridiculous, Benjamin. I've been playing it with Troy and a bunch of my other friends. I, You know, I'm not really a fan of horror games because I get scared really easy. This game has me fucking
1: shaking in my boots. I'm really excited for the one day I can set up my VR headset. No, we're not doing that. And we'll throw you in alien isolation.
0: Ben, I'll shit a brick. Like, I'm not even joking. I, We've been playing Lethal Company. For those of you that don't know, Lethal Company is a game where it's four players, which actually we already have mods. We've had like ten in a lobby already. And you basically go from planet to planet and collect junk and bring it to your ship to fulfill a quota. And on these planets are horrible, horrible monsters. Like giant spiders. Or a thing called a bracket, Or actual just giants. And like sandworms and horrifying creatures. We've been playing that a lot recently. That game is so terrifying to me. Because it has proximity chat. So you'll be like standing around collecting loot with your friends. And then you'll just hear a scream off in the distance, and you will go, "Oh no, someone's died."
1: Proximity, Tread, is Bob's greatest fear.
0: Oh, because being alone, man, you'll be with ten, like two people in a room. They'll wander off, and then you'll go, "Guys," and there'll be nothing except for you and a monster, and it's fucking awful. So if you're into horror games and you like, like, shitty horror games, it's well, it is shitty, but it's shitty in like the best way possible because it's just like it's like crusty in a, in a good way. But if you're into horror like multiplayer games and you like to have fun with friends, I highly recommend you check out Lethal Company. It's been a really, really good time. I've been having a blast. Super easy to mod. Like, we have so many mods already, and we're already doing crazy shit with them. So I thought I'd bring that up because that's sort of horror news. It's like a horror video game thing. Because I honestly couldn't tell you the last horror game that came out that was—I mean, Lethal Company's big. Like, I've been seeing tons of clips on TikTok and on Instagram and stuff of people playing it. Like, it's super popular. I mean, people like it. I've been having fun. We should play. You should buy it. It's
1: 10 bucks. Ugh. <laughs> so much money. I feel like you'd have fun if we played it. I mean, I fair know. enough. We have other things we need to play. Yeah, you're absolutely
0: correct. You're totally right. Next day. The Game Awards were two days ago, as of recording. Baldur's Gate 3 won
1: Game of the Year. Wow. That's which is so cool. So interesting on our horror podcast.
0: Well, I just wanted to talk about it, okay? Look, this is my time to talk about things
1: that's fine I'm just like that is the least horror related thing you could have told me in this moment it is, and but- also not surprising at all
0: look <laughs> I'm just bringing up news man which is what this portion of the podcast is for.
1: yeah horror news
0: okay, okay I'll skip over the ball just get three splurts. That's a great game go play it blah 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 anyway, this is actually horror news. Finally. Did you see that Godzilla minus one surpassed Oppenheimer? for Best Film of the Year on IMDb via ratings.
1: I did not. That doesn't necessarily surprise me, though, because Godzilla Minus One is a monster movie, well, and what Oppenheimer is not. Is First of all, that's crazy.
0: Like, it, from what I could tell, no one really expected it. They extended the American run, like the U.S. theater run of Godzilla Minus One, because people have been watching it so much. Like, it's doing really well. But also... I was curious about this because I saw this uh, from saw a Twitter post. Godzilla Minus One had an estimated budget of $15 million. If you look it up, I Googled it. I did my own research. Basically, everyone is reporting $15 million across the board. Yeah. Apparently, one of the producers or someone that worked on the film tweeted, like, put out a statement that was, like, he denied. It was uh, Takashi Yamazaki reportedly t- Denied reports that Godzilla 1 had a $15 million budget and said, I wish it were that much. So, allegedly, they made that movie for less than $15 million. And from what I've heard, it's incredible. Like, I've only heard good things. And it makes me so excited for when we go to watch Godzilla films.
1: Yeah. Not really horror movies, though.
0: Uh, Monster movies, though. Come on. Come on.
1: I don't know. You compla- Ben, we
0: watched some bullshit films this season. That's we, my- we're allowed to watch Godzilla. That's
1: my point. You complained so much this season about our not exactly horror movies, and you're like, you because really made the- me think that you never want to do that again. So, you know, maybe we won't cover Godzilla. Ben, I'll be so upset. <laughs> I've never
0: seen a Godzilla
1: movie. Oh, come on. Um, OG Godzilla is like a horror movie. Kind of, yeah
0: we've watched so many
1: but you complain so much this horror mo-
0: I fucking hate you
1: anyways uh, yeah that doesn't surprise me about the whole Godzilla thing cuz like i mean first of all it's a lot more approachable than oppenheimer because it's a big sure. monster movie that's also from a very very famous franchise i mean yeah. godzilla's probably the most famous big monster mm-hmm. so the fact that we have a godzilla film for the first time in years and it's supposed to be like good, Mm -hmm. it's not surprising that it would get a a bunch of traction. We also have to remember the fact that there has been some artificial inflation on websites.
0: Yeah, true. Well, this is IMDb. It's not Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah,
1: which is a little bit better. But yeah, just the approachable thing is probably the reason it's been doing better.
0: Well, I didn't know this. I did not realize this until very recently. Uh, I'm pretty sure Godzilla Minus One is in Japanese.
1: Yeah, it's a Japanese film. I so is the original Godzilla. Well, yeah, no, 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 no. And I know, most I know. of the Godzilla films. No, no, no,
0: I know. I'm in my brain. In Bob, look, I look. The Japanese film skewed uh, American viewpoint here. I just assumed it was in English.
1: Well, you can get a dub, not yet, probably, but eventually.
0: The fact that a foreign language film is doing so well is very surprising and very cool.
1: People don't like reading subtitles, but they no. will for Godzilla.
0: They will for Godzilla, but also, like, I don't know. I've never understood that. I haven't either. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but, People like, I don't get it.
1: don't like doing that. It's so stupid. they don't. There's so many good foreign language films. Yeah, but it's not worth it most of the time for them. But Godzilla is.
0: I guess, but I don't know. I guess we've—maybe my view is skewed. I think we've only seen good ones. I'm sure there are some bad ones. We, yeah, there's bad films everywhere. Okay. Um, I think I'm out of news. I think I'm out of things to talk about on the podcast.
1: Okay. Well, then uh, we can get to our last spot on the board, which is a spot in pre-code movies. Yeah. Yep. You ready?
0: Yeah. I, I saved this one for last because I was excited about it, but now I'm worried because most of the time you give me kind of a hint at what we're watching. I just hope this movie's good. Every other film in this category
1: has been good.
0: It's a movie. God damn it. It's it's a movie. I would hope so.
1: Alright, so today we're watching Mystery of the Wax Museum from nineteen thirty three. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great for the description. Sure. Nothing creepy has ever happened in a wax museum before.
0: No, yeah, this is might be the scariest film that from this category for sure. <laughs> this is so this is a fear I have.
1: Oh, wax figures. Yeah. Yeah. Hardcore. Like, I don't like this shit. It, this movie might not make it better.
0: Oh, great.
1: Uh, it's an hour and 17 minutes long. Oh, it's so it's, little sh- little it's short. pretty short. Uh, it's passed. <laughs> IMDb gave it a 6.8 out of 10. Tomato Meter gave it a 92% and an audience score of 63%. It's pretty good. It doesn't have any wins or nominations. Um, So we can just get into notable actors. There's Lionel Atwin as Ivan Igor. You played Dr. Jerry Xavier and Dr. X. Faye Ray as Charlotte Duncan. Do you know that name? You should. From the podcast? No, just okay. in general. Okay. okay. Uh, okay. She was Ann Darrow in King Kong. I've never seen King Kong. She's also mentioned at the beginning of Rocky Horror Picture Show and the science fiction double feature song. Is she? Yeah. Uh, so you know Rocky Horror Picture Show, right? You are familiar with that Yes, Benjamin. That thing.
0: Yeah. Now I'm singing the song in my head, trying to figure out where she's mentioned.
1: No, I don't think she's mentioned in that oh, one. Oh, okay. Fayre's mentioned in the very end because he's talking, uh, Dr. Frankenfurter's talking about her sad and draped frame. I see. Do you remember? Okay. Yeah. Now what is I, that? Now I know what you're talking about. That's not Rose Tint My World, is it? Anyways, we'll, we'll have a little Rocky Horror rant right now. The intro song to Rocky Horror Picture Show, science fiction double feature. Yeah. Banger. It's a good song, but what's super cool about it, if you are unfamiliar, is it references a ton of science fiction films. Yeah, yeah, just a ton. Like we don't watched- they
0: say, th- Doesn't that song mention Flash Gordon?
1: Yeah, it also mentions the Invisible Man. Yeah, yeah. Thought I'd bring that up.
0: I that might. I was gonna say that might be one of my favorite. That it top three. I love that song.
1: Anyways, Glenda Farrell as Florence Dempsey. She played Kay Curtis in Girl Missing. Frank McHugh as Jim played Barney in All Through the Night. Alan Vincent as Ralph Burton. Uh, He played Frederick in The Return of Peter Grimm. Gavin Gordon as George Winton. He played Lord Byron in The Bride of Frankenstein. Edwin Maxwell as Joe Wirth. He played Detective Chief in Scarface, 1932. Holmes Herbert as Dr. Rasmussen. Uh, He played the Chief of Police in The Invisible Man. I was about to say, I know that fucking name. Claude King as Mr. Galitalin. Uh, he played Arnold in Behind the Mask. Arthur Edmund Carew as Professor Darcy. He played Ludo in The Phantom of the Opera in 1925. Thomas E. Jackson as Detective. Uh, he played Sergeant Flaherty in the Little Caesar. DeWitt Jennings as Police Captain. He played Orlando Wainwright in Exit Smiling. Matthew Betts as Hugo. He played Flash McQuade in *The Big Chance*. And finally, Monica Bannister as Joan Gale. She played Maybell in *The Cowboy and the Blonde*. It's a lot of people. Yes. All right. Uh, directors Michael Curtis. He also directed just a little-known film. Nothing like super big. I'm not sure if you know it. Uh, it's called *Casablanca*. Oh my god. <laughs> Holy
0: shit! I thought <laughs> I couldn't tell if you were fucking with me or not. That is a very uh, important film.
1: That Bob's never seen. I've never seen. I've heard good things. <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen so yeah. uh, Writers Don Mullally. Uh He also wrote Girl Missing. And then the other writers Carl Erickson, who also wrote Girl Missing. A budget estimated at $279,000, which is pretty decent, with a box office turnout of $1.1 1. 1 God damn. Now keep all those numbers with like a grain of salt. Cause Ye- yeah, yeah. This is what? I'm not sure how accurate that is, because this is 1933. Country of origins, United States. Tagline. Images of wax that throbbed with human passion. Almost women, what did they lack?
0: I don't like the word throb being used there. But that's fine. Throb with human passion? Get out of here.
1: So, there's a lot of interesting facts about this film. I'm sure there are. Straight off the bat, this film is one of the last two dramatic action films shot in the two-color Technicolor. Oh. The other is Dr. X, which we talked a lot about on this season, at least in the pre-code category. Mm-hmm. We've referenced a lot of people who are in it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it was almost in this spot. Oh, really? Yeah. But the two-color Technicolor technique uses combined separation photography printed with red and green dyes to create a color image that has a reduced spectrum compared to like later versions of Technicolor. It was particularly noted for its technical difficulties and, like, unreal hues, which is why it ended up going out of fashion. Okay. Not a fan favorite for a lot of people. And just hard to use. And this is one of the contributing factors to one of the most interesting things about this film, which is that it was considered lost for a very large period of time. Hmm. I would recommend you go look into it yourself. Because I can't really explain the whole track here.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's very confusing and convoluted. Oh, it is.
1: But it's super interesting if you're into lost media like I am. I went down a rabbit hole. I was like, oh, this is super cool. <laughs> um, but it was considered like almost completely lost until the 1970s. Oh, my God. When a copy was found that was like good enough for reprint. Um, however, all the reprints from that copy were considered to be pretty bad. Mm. Okay. They had a number of issues, including just damage, intermittent splicing, and even missing footage, just from like degradation and stuff. And it wasn't until 2019 when the Film Foundation sponsored a digital 4K restoration of the film by the UCLA Film and Television Archive. Oh my god! With funding from the George Lucas Family Foundation. Oh, that's cool. And so this version from 2019 was created from the 1970s print. A French work print of the film that they discovered in the early 2000s, which notably had a lot of issues. Like, I think the whole thing was green or something. (laughs) What Like, it wasn't usable by itself. And they they even sourced audio from other films with the actors in it to make up for missing audio and create, at least as far as they were concerned, the most accurate and high-quality print possible. Wow. That's fucking cool. That's the version we have because they sell it on Blu-ray and stuff now. And I'm just going to put this out here. This film's kind of hard to find. Like, you can't stream it anywhere. So if you want to find it, you do have to go buy it. So you own this on Blu-ray? Yeah. Sick. Aside from that, I think the only other thing to note is that this film is based on a short story that was unpublished titled The Waxworks, and that was written by Charles S. Belden. Okay. So, yeah.
0: Before we start the movie, Mm -hmm. I have a question. Aren't there, like, are there remakes of this movie, or are there just movies with similar concepts?
1: Okay, uh, I I was trying to decide when I was gonna bring this up. I was gonna wait until the end, but I, we can just go over this now. Okay, if you want. So there are remakes, and you mm-hmm. guys can't see it, but I did that in quotations uh, of this film. There is House of Wax in 1953.
0: I've heard of. See, that's the one. Uh, that's kind of what I thought we were watching, but it's different. You haven't
1: heard of that one. You've heard of House of Wax in 2005, which is a remake okay. of House of Wax. That would make in more 1953. Sense. Um there's also Mill of the Stone Women in 1960 and Chamber of Horrors in 1966.
0: Chamber of Horrors, that sounds cool.
1: From my understanding this film basically popularized the whole like scary wax museum thing.
0: Okay. That's more my question was is this like the OG concept and all those other films are just like ripping it off basically? Pretty We're much. Well, not ripping it off, but you know what I mean, uh, inspired by this is a concept. From my
1: understanding there was some like stuff floating around about scary wax museums at the time. Mm -hmm. But this is, as far as cinema is concerned, the oldest. Cool. That's Um, exciting. How much do you know about House of Wax, by the way? Almost nothing. Oh, okay. You just heard the name?
0: No, I mean, I know it's like Scary Wax Museum movie. Oh, okay. Which is terrible. Like, okay. So let's get into this while we're here instead of on the post or like whatever. The idea of like Uncanny Valley, terrifying. Wax Museum is very much Uncanny Valley. And I can't handle that. So this movie might actually scare the shit out of me. Like, I don't want to watch House of Wax. Like, at any point. And I'm just, I'm very scared, Ben.
1: Well, from what I've heard, House of Wax is very similar to this one. Okay. I've seen the remake. I haven't seen the original one for House of Wax, but there's some similar ideas. I'm just scared. (laughs) So if you can get through this one, you can probably get through that.
0: Yeah, but I'm sure this one's going to be a lot easier to get
1: through. In some ways, yes. Okay. All right. On that note, though, we're going to get into the movie.
0: Yeah. We'll see you guys in a minute. Hi everybody, welcome back. We just finished watching "Mystery of the Wax Museum." Yes. Okay. I I thought it was at, but it's of.
1: Yeah, it's mystery of the wax museum
0: of the wax museum. Yep. Okay. what do you okay. think? Okay. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna, I told Ben this already. You know, because we talked after the movie. It was fine till the end of the movie. I think it's pretty good. I like it. It's It got a lot better. It grew on me. I didn't like it at first, but it it's kind of a slow burn, even though it's like an hour and 17 minutes. But I like it.
1: Yeah, I think we were discussing it during the film and a little bit after because he told me that. And I think the issue was you were expecting, like...
0: A different kind of movie? Yeah. Exactly. That's it, the thing.
1: It's really, what, a mystery film, you'd say? Yeah. Weirdly enough, it's called Mystery of the Wax Museum, and it's a mystery film. Yeah,
0: but, like... <sighs> I guess I came in with the pretense of,
1: like, my knowledge of vaguely what other films... You were just expecting a modern wax horror movie. Yes, and I didn't really get that. Obviously, it wouldn't be that, because it's from 1933. Yeah. So, I I think once you got into it, though, you enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Anyways, I'm just going to get into describing the plot here, and I'm going to try and stay spoiler-free, I think, for most of this episode, because... Sometimes we're a little bit loosey-goosey with our tongues when it comes to uh, these older films. Because it's like, ah, it's 100 years old. You should have seen it by now. But I think this film's in one of those weird like categories where it was inaccessible for so long. Mm-hmm. Till
0: 2019.
1: Till basically 2019. And it's still pretty hard to find. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to assume many of you either haven't heard about it or haven't seen it. So I'm going to try and not spoil some stuff. But th- the premise here is, fairly simple. Basically there is a wax museum yeah, opening in New York and at the same time that this wax museum is opening there's also been some corpse disappearances mm-hmm. from like local morgues and really where the whole investigation comes from is where are these bodies going? Like who's stealing them? What's happening there? But also the fact that some of the wax figures look like the disappeared bodies. So it's like what's the relation? Who's related? Who knows mm-hmm. what? So yeah, that's that's kind of what's happening and that's being investigated by a reporter her name's Florence. Yeah. That that that's basically it. Yeah. Um it's kind of hard to describe without spoiling, spoiling too stuff. much. Yeah. Yeah. But uh on that note though, we are going to get into the actual like talking about this. So, spoilers going forward. We'll try not to have anything too big here.
0: Yeah, I don't think we need to... I think I know what you're, like, hinting at us spoiling. We don't need to cover that.
1: But I don't think we're going to cover any of the big spoilers. Because, so, like, honestly, Stuff at the end, you know?
0: We can leave it. Because
1: yeah. it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I will say, the end of this movie is pretty rad. The, the end of this movie makes up for how... It's not boring. It's just a slow investigation film. Yeah. So... On that note, I think we're primarily going to be talking about some of the things we noticed about the film. Mm -hmm. Because, again, it's it's a slow investigation film. So there isn't, I think, too much content we specifically want to talk about. But, yeah, there is some interesting stuff you see. And straight off the bat, the thing I want to bring up is the color palette of Mm -hmm. this film.
0: I wanted to say this during the movie, but I saved it. This reminds me of... So you're playing Fallout 3. It's all Uh, greenwashed a little bit. And like weird, this film was very much in the same vein.
1: Yeah, all the colors look uh washed out. Yeah. Like they aren't very vibrant, they don't pop. And there's a green tint to everything. And it doesn't come through all the time, no. but especially on like really dark colors and whites and stuff, mm-hmm. it's there. And it's really really interesting. It's cool. Like you get used to it after a while and your brain interprets it as normal Mm -hmm. but it is a very distinct distinct look and i i kind of like it i like it too all things considered but it it really reminds me of some early german expressionism films really and just some really old films in general because we don't think about it nowadays when we're thinking about black and white film because we're like oh it's black and white Uh, but back in the day there was a lot of like colored film that was in black and white Hmm. where they would color the film like a solid color instead of just black and white, because it was more interesting that way. And this vaguely re- reminds me of that. Because it really is a very distinctive thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Here, I'm going to slide you my phone.
0: Look at Fallout 3. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Same, like, weird green, like...
1: The colors aren't as washed out, though.
0: They're not. It's not as washed out, but it's that same, like, green tinge.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that's probably the first thing you notice about the film, especially because it's everywhere. Yeah. But... The next thing I think I want to bring up, because it's in a similar vein, is the sets. Oh
0: my god, they're fucking bananas.
1: The sets are kind of weird. They look, I don't know, kind of like German expressionism stuff. And Bob used a term during the movie that I think was pretty apt. They kind of look like, what, liminal spaces? Yeah, they look weird. They look
0: very... You know what? Here's another thing. It's the
1: architecture. It's very specifically the architecture. Yeah, they look... Sort of like... Have you ever seen those liminal (sighs) pictures of, like, pools?
0: Yes. Not even even pools. I'm just thinking of, like, what is it? What is it? Like, the back rooms? Yeah. They look back rooms-y.
1: Where it's all these weird angles and... Giant, like, flat surfaces, super square. Lots of shadow. Yeah. And it really does combine with that whole color hue thing we were talking about with Mm -hmm. all the greens to create this really... I don't know monochromatic feel to everything like everything feels like it stretches on Mm -hmm. way too far
0: everything it feels so flat
1: yeah it's so weird and so i i thought there was a nice playoff between those two things uh the other thing though that we found about these sets particularly the shall we say more mad scientist parts of the set oh my god is that it felt like a Scooby-Doo movie. Oh my god, it feels like Scooby-Doo. Well, not a Scooby-Doo movie, like the old Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo cartoon. Yes, like, Scooby-Doo, where are you? From what the seventies?
0: Yes, bro.
1: There was bubbling beakers everywhere, just randomly in the backgrounds of certain shots. Uh, some barrels with some like copper wiring connected to them. You know
0: how in, in Scooby-Doo they would explore like a haunted house and then they would find like the mad scientist layer in the basement? That was like this movie.
1: Yeah, just random parts of the set. It's like, why is this here? I don't know, but it's cool. It looks cool, yeah. Like, oh, Look, here's this door that swings open. That's a wall. Yep. Yeah. Oh, there's randomly
0: eyeballs looking at you through the wall? Like, what is going on <laughs> right now? Never
1: explained ever. Never! We don't even know who that was! So, yeah, long story short, the setting and just the color palette, I think, really combined to give this film a nice little, I don't know, macabre aesthetic. Yeah, I don't know how it has a good vibe, and
0: it but was, I don't know what vibe to
1: call it. It was a vibe, but it really did fit this film, and I think was probably the biggest thing that sticks with me about it. Yeah. Aside from that, the next thing I really want to bring up here is some of the character interactions, <laughs> specifically Florence, uh, who I forget her actress's name. I don't know. Glenda Farrell, I believe. Her character talks. So fast. So fast. Oh, my She's God. She's a news reporter, and she talks like a stereotypical news reporter from the 1930s. This movie reeks of the year 1933. Like, just super snappy dialogue. Mm-hmm. And Bob was really into it and in her character, but it was just wild. Because yeah. just so much was coming at me all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I did enjoy it it was also sometimes like an information overload yeah when she was on screen
0: that's something i want to talk about is the dialogue in this film i we don't the other films that we watched in this category were from around the same time period because they had to be Mm pre-code films it's a time it's a timely thing this one is feels the most ingrained in the period compared like the other two feel kind of timeless and almost like in a weird space where it's like oh this is a cool story that can be enjoyed forever. There's so much of this film where I went, I need to know about the 1930s to understand what is happening right now. Like I feel like if I if I'd been born before the year 2000 and had more knowledge of what things were like back then, like this feels like a caricature of 1933. Yeah. It doesn't
1: feel real. No, it's very firmly set in the year it's well filmed in. Yeah. Um I mean The real start of the film starts on New Year's Day, nineteen thirty three, in New York City. Yeah. Which I mean, was wild to see because it was cool. You can see, you know, New Year's every year in New York City on like television. But watching like a facsimile of that in the nineteen thirties is wild. But yeah, compared to Freaks or The Invisible Man, which are both like the time period's irrelevant Mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter to those films. This, which is firmly set in, like, you know, 1933 New York and the culture of that time period really does stand out. It's cool. One of the big things that you get, besides, like, all the stuff, because there's a lot of very 1933 city stuff in this film. Yeah,
0: like the cars and, like, the the setting of, like...
1: I, I mean, want, Florence
0: architecture, works. I mean... Yeah, but that's a little bit fake.
1: But I was going to say Florence works for the newspaper, mm-hmm. and so we get to see inside, like a newsroom a newsroom mm-hmm. which is really cool
0: all the phones and stuff
1: yeah but the big thing i'm going to point out for like the time period is some of the slang oh my god it's goofy like some of it is what supposed is... to be funny <sighs> what but is at, it? florence at one point says you soap bubble i should make you eat dirt
0: yeah i was about to, that's what i was going to bring up like just some of the dialogue is just like so 1933 it's crazy
1: dirt you soap bubble just it's it's fun Aside from that, is there anything else you wanted to bring up? Okay, so the cool part about this movie is, you know, the whole
0: mystery. It's a mystery film. It really it really yeah. is. It's like a mystery investigation film where you're following this reporter
1: and it her doesn't, friend. The Wax museum's secondary.
0: Yeah, which is weird. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute because there's something else I want to talk about that for. But we get to see the bodies get stolen, or at least one of them gets stolen. One, yeah. And it's stolen by this really cool-looking, like, monster man who's never given a name. We called him, like, a Skulker. We were just calling him the Skulker. We didn't really know what to call him. Guy. Guy. He's just a guy, man. But he looks really cool. He's, like, he looks very... I said he looks like the Creeper from Jeepers Creepers, kind of.
1: Kind of reminds me of Mr. Hyde. Uh, from, like, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Or really uh, know. the Phantom from Phantom of the Opera.
0: Yes, kind of. Where he's
1: just skulking around... In the shadows. But he's really cool. I like him. It's like a villain or whatever. He's a cool, like,
0: monster dude. I just thought we should bring it up because, like...
1: Bob says he's a monster dude. He has very specifically um, an interesting appearance. Yeah. We'll leave it at that.
0: I just... I like him. I think he's cool. I think he does some cool stuff where he's like... There's just some really good moments of him, like, walking around stalking and, like... Yeah. And that's that's Being
1: mysterious and creepy. A lot of the mystery comes from... Because mm-hmm. you see this character at the beginning of the film steal a body. And then we eventually see a wax figure show up that looks like the body. Looks like that body. But it's like, how who, is this connected? Yeah. Who, wh- why this is dude. this here? Like, who is he? Is he just like this secretive wax maker? Yeah, we don't know. So It's cool. It's cool. On that note, do you have anything else to bring up? Because I have one last thing.
0: You can hit your thing and then maybe I have something, but we'll see.
1: Okay. I'm not sure if this is something you noticed in the film. Okay. Because you never pointed it out. But in the Wax Museum, we do get to see it a couple times. There's a bunch of wax sculptures there, right? Mm-hmm. And they're pretty good they're looking. They're cool. Yeah, they right? look nice. Did you think they looked pretty convincing? I know you yeah. don't like wax figures. No, they're pretty scary on oh God. Some of the best wax figures, though, were like the Marie Antoinette one. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a Joan of Arc one. Yeah, and then there was the Voltaire one. And the Voltaire one. And they all looked really good. Do you know why they look so good? Why? Um, Because some of the wax figures were played by real people. No yeah. way. Yeah, Bob apparently didn't notice. Yeah. There is a number of wax figures. Specifically, all the wax figures they tend to focus on in the film mm-hmm. are real people that Whoa! are just posing. That's so cool. Yeah. In fact, that's a, that's a part of why the wax figure that looks like the body that's stolen in the beginning of the film is the Joan of Arc one. Mm-hmm. And the actress who we see photos of. Is the one like standing still? Wow, that was a person doing that. That's crazy. Yeah. And from my understanding of why that happened, partially you could argue that it's like to have the figures look like the people, like the people, but also just to make them look really good. Mm-hmm. But one of the probably biggest reasons I could find for why they did that is because the the lights for the film were oh, so bright they would melt the wax. That they would melt the wax, so they had to that have makes people sense. do it. That makes um, sense. That's really cool. But I thought that was super cool. And Bob didn't realize the whole time. No. At one point during the movie, you went, I think I think there might be a person, right? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. So uh, I, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was interesting that you didn't catch it. Yeah. Because they did a good job standing still. No, yeah, I really didn't catch it. There was one or two frames where I could be like, oh, they moved a little bit, like they, they breathed. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it looks really good, especially because they all have their eyes open.
0: Yeah, that was the thing.
1: I was expecting, if I had known that, I would have expected some blinking. <laughs> or any, just anything, I guess. No. Nope. But I was just like, god damn. Yeah. Um. On that note, though, I don't really have any more to talk about. Because, uh, again, it's a mystery film. Hard to talk about mystery films without spoiling, spoiling stuff. Spoiling stuff. So, yeah. Do you just want to do your recommendation? recommendations I'm
0: trying to think if there's anything else I want to talk about I, I like I you know I don't want us to get halfway through recommendations then bring up something else yeah because I know that makes you mad because I usually interrupt you with it we haven't talked about how about we'll cover this and then we can move on we haven't talked about like acting or anything in this film all the performances are good I like them they're fun I think uh what is it mr. Igor
1: Igor Igor well they say they say Igor, I think, but
0: yeah, he does a really good job.
1: Like, yeah, how do I put this?
0: He he's kind of a madman, but he's like a madman who's like invested in his work because he's like the guy that he's just a an artist. Yeah, he's like the depiction of like crazed artist who just like is involved in his work a lot. He's re, he does a really good job. I think he's really great. Yeah, he might be like my favorite character. Oh, by far, he's yeah. super fun.
1: I know you liked Florence, but like, well, yeah. Yeah, that too. Igor is definitely, I think, the one I wanted to see the most. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the acting's, I think, fine overall. Yeah, it just feels different. It's very different. And that's but always not the in a thing bad way with old films. They feel different, especially with the transatlantic accent. Oh everything. my god. Yeah, but go ahead with your recommendation, Bob.
0: Okay, if you want a film from 1933, I said this earlier in the podcast. This is like this film reeks of the year 1933. Like, it feels so ingrained in the period, and I also said this, it feels like a caricature of what I expect the year 1933 to feel like, in my in my mind's eye. So if you want a film from around that time, it's a great film to see kind of like an idealized version of what stuff was like back then. It's cool. If you want a mystery film, this film's cool. It's, it's a good mystery film. I like it. I think it has a good, like, progression of mystery, because you get... It's one of those films where if you figure it out, you figure it out, and it slowly hints at what it's going at until you get to the end, and by the end, it's revealed and everything, and it's it's super good. It's satisfying. I like the ending. I think it's a good mystery. It surprised you. It surprised me. I think that's it. Okay. Uh,
1: I think I have pretty identical stuff here. If you want a film from like the 1930s that is definitely steeped in the 1930s, especially for like horror. I think this is a pretty good one. A lot of horror films from that time tend to feel timeless because the mm-hmm. time period they're set in doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like, objectively, The Invisible Man could have happened anywhere around the early 20th century. I was
0: about to say, anywhere around this. Yeah. I'd say
1: the 1920s up to the 30s. Yeah. Roundabouts. And, you know, similar thing for Freaks. Freaks literally could have happened whenever. ninety maybe? It could have happened whenever. But this film, on the other hand. It, you can really tell it's 1933. Not only because it's set on New Year's 1933. Well, yeah. I mean that, that, helps. that helps. Aside from that, though, if you want a mystery film from that time period, this definitely feels like it. I mean, I think that's kind of the biggest thing to go for here because it's, it's not really scary in the modern sense. No. There's not really horror.
0: It has good creepy vibes sometimes. But it's
1: the vibe and... I I think the mystery is the real thing you're going to get out of this film. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, Aside from that, though, I think my biggest recommendation is if you're into lost media and just, like, interesting film history, this film's pretty cool. I mean, again, it was a lost film for, like, 40 years, and it wasn't until, like, four years ago that it was finally up to snuff as far as watchable copies go. But more than that, It just looks really cool because it's one of the few films shot with this technique of, like, two-color technicolor. It looks really distinct, and the sets are really cool. I I just think it was a visually pleasing film to watch, aside from everything else. With that being said, rate it. Okay,
0: okay, okay, okay. So here's where I'm in a weird spot. Because, look, I like the movie. I think it's fun. But my view is a little skewed because I came in with weird expectations about what I wanted out of this movie, if that makes sense. And I'm trying to readjust my scale to work with that because I, w- I expected something more like scary, creepy, not mystery. Mm-hmm. But the mystery solid. I like the acting. I like the set. I like the period. I'm going to be honest. I really don't have any
1: major issues with the film other than it's... Kind of simple. Yeah, but again, it's one of those things of films that are much older tend to be more simple because it was like, this is new.
0: Yeah, this, I mean, when this came out, this was like, no one had ever thought of this before. This was a new concept, right? Not entirely, but yeah. Not entirely new, but you know, a film like this had not been made
1: before. Everything was still pretty original as far as film went.
0: Yeah, so I don't want to judge it based on, like, my perception of what it should have been based on the newer stuff that's come out because that's not really how I should judge the film.
1: Four. Okay. I think that's
0: fair. Four. I like it. I I really – while I do think the beginning of the film drags a little –
1: Although the opening for this film is a lot of fun,
0: the opening for this film is. At, we didn't talk about that. See, this is why this is what I was talking about. Wait, nah, it gonna, doesn't
1: really matter, but
0: it's crazy and awesome. Yeah, let's leave it at that. The opening Dangerous. of this film is
1: incredible. I watched that and I was like, "Oh my god!"
0: I can't believe they're doing this right <laughs> now. Yeah, I. The like the the mystery investigation part is a little slow to my liking. I wish there was more of the back half.
1: And the front half.
0: In the front half. The middle is where it kind of gets a little slow for me. But I do really like this movie.
1: Yeah. The middle is where all the atmosphere comes from, though. True. You're right about that. I think we're going to rate it a little bit higher. I think we're going to go with a four and a half. And I, I think it's one of those things where this movie isn't for everyone. And like Bob said, it's a pretty simple story. Like, it's it's one of those stories that you watch nowadays and you go, oh, I know what's happening. Right? But I think that's because this film inspired a lot of stuff. I mean, we talked about all the remakes it made, but like, just the idea of, like, again, I don't want to get too much into the spoilers, but the premise of this film is, at this point, classic in a way that everyone kind of knows. And so, you know, just the fact that this film kind of, I think, probably established that in the cultural zeitgeist, um, but also does such a good job with it. I think is really impressive, especially mm-hmm. because there was twists and turns, and they tricked Bob, which was kind of shocking. And that shows how well I think the the writers and stuff set things up. Yeah, to like make a good mystery because there's a usually a twist in a mystery, and the fact mm-hmm. that they hit, even though you should be able to see them, tells you it's good. Aside from that, I think some of the visuals look really cool but they're shot well i mean the mm-hmm. fact that bob didn't realize some of those wax figures were real people yeah is um really good i think the acting from some of the people is really great igor igor whatever you want to call him um does a very good job playing an over-the-top like artist yeah tortured artist i think is probably the best description of him florence just dominates all the scenes she's in mm-hmm. lots of stuff like that so yeah. i mean I-, I think it was pretty good i enjoyed myself yeah. Maybe not for everyone, but four out of four point five.
0: Yeah, I, I think the other thing is, and the reason I got tricked so bad is because they do a really good job at faking you out, where it's like, oh, I know this, and then you get there and you go, oh, well, I did not know that. Yeah, I will say there's what we haven't. This is not a spoiler, but there's one thing at the very end of this movie that happened to me and Ben were just like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it at that. It yeah, the, might be in the outtakes. The
1: very end of this film.
0: I would say the last
1: what fifteen seconds. Yeah, it was very confusing.
0: Me and Ben both just went, Why did that happen?
1: That was, uh, I think, my biggest issue with this film.
0: I think so too, but it really was just kind of funny.
1: Because I didn't understand the very end.
0: I think that's because we didn't understand the slang.
1: I understood how they got there. It didn't make sense, though.
0: Nah, me either. But ah, whatever.
1: With that note, though, we're going to go to the outtakes. We'll see what we got. Yeah, we'll see you guys in a minute.
0: Hello everybody, welcome to the outtakes section for this episode of Beware the Board. I hope you're enjoying our review of Mystery of the Wax Museum so far. I like this movie, I think it's super duper fun and interesting. But, without further ado, let's get into the outtakes. This first clip is me describing the sets of this film in the best way I know how. Like, look at how, this is like the most Scooby-Doo ass,
1: I love it,
0: setting I've ever seen in my life. Like, where even is she right now?
1: Look at those barrels of random substances. Look at that door that probably goes nowhere.
0: This next clip is our reaction to just how ridiculous the sets in this film are. Is this the room where the guy... Like, this is the most elaborate, ridiculous thing I've ever seen in a movie.
1: (laughs) Do you think this was just in this building already? Yes! I (laughs) think this was just here! That they dug out this whole, like... Evil villain lair and built it That's themselves. What I'm saying.
0: This is the most ridiculous, like, spiral staircase with fucking, uh, like, lab equipment and okay. a giant vat. Let's be honest, though. It's rad. It's cool, but it's preposterous.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes. Do we have any announcements, Ben? Well... Not really an announcement, but next week we're wrapping up the board because oh, we're yeah. done with the movies. So, you know, that's not a normal episode. You can skip it if you want, but we announce like what the categories are next season. Yeah. Or you can just tune in in two weeks for the f- next movie episode. Otherwise, you know, normal spiel. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts Spotify, Apple Podcasts, other places on the internet. We're also on YouTube, which is kind of nice because, you know, you can support us there with likes and subscriptions uh youtube's also nice because it has a couple of handy dandy tools there is a search button on the channel which allows you to search for specific keywords in our videos like maybe movie names if you want to see if we've reviewed a specific movie and there's also a bell button which you can hit turn on notifications and then i'll tell you whenever we post a new video which obviously is the same time we post a new episode in other places like spotify and stuff which is kind of handy if we uh, forget to tell you that we're doing an episode and it comes out randomly, like <laughs> um, a holiday thing. Um, it happens. Aside from that, though, YouTube's one of the two major places you can communicate with us at. Uh, you can do that in the comment section of a specific video, or you can go over to Twitter, at Beware the Board, and go um, talk to Bob, maybe about your muses, Marie Antoinette, your favorite historical figures, Voltaire,
0: Okay. Stuff like that. That one wasn't weird. Sometimes they get weird, Ben. Sometimes you made me highly uncomfortable with
1: your bids at the end of the episode. I don't know. You could also talk to Bob about your favorite, like, I don't know, nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties actors or actresses. Okay. Okay, stop
0: that right now. Like Ben said, check us out on Twitter at Board. It's where we post updates about the show, information about the show. Basically, if there's anything you want to know about the show, it goes on our Twitter. On Mondays, I post a spoiler post for that Friday's episode. So, if you ever want to watch the movie before we do, so that you don't get any spoilers, you can do that. When we're talking about stuff in the episode, you kind of know what we're talking about. Then, on Fridays, <laughs> I always post a link to the episode. So, if you ever missed upload and don't know what's coming up, there's always a link there. Last thing, uh, we're doing short form content on TikTok and on YouTube Shorts. wear the board on TikTok and on YouTube Shorts. I posted a new one. Yeah, I was going to say it. No, we're not. But then I was like, oh, you posted one. like Ah, I finished one. It's the first time in like two months. But yeah. Yeah. Woo. So if you're into short form content and like the show, check us out there. I think that's it. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next time. Right. Yeah. See you guys next time.